best pro football gambling information in the state of Illinois. My name is Jason Gotch, joined as always by my co-host John Spataro. It's hard to believe there's snow outside. It's the ending of January and where we started way back in August with the program. Here we are. There are only two teams left standing. Many of you probably not surprised the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes are back in the Super Bowl for a chance to repeat. But I think many people are surprised the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will provide the opposition in Super Bowl 50 and the Buccaneers and Tom Brady. Tom Brady, 43 years old with his first season in Tampa, one that culminates in his 10th career Super Bowl appearance. And the Buccaneers are going to make history in early February on Sunday in Super Bowl 50 because they will be the first team ever to be playing a Super Bowl in their own stadium. So we'll be talking plenty about the Super Bowl on this program, both this week and next week. But before we do that, John, I want to bring you in because we always tell you how we did last week. And uh, one underdog covered, one did not. So why don't you go ahead and fire away. Let the listeners know how you did on championship weekend. Well, I tried to set everybody up as much as possible and let them know that I really, really historically struggle with betting in the NFL playoffs. It's just so difficult for me to go against my gut sometimes when I should and go with my gut the times that I shouldn't. And it's just absolutely uh, a mind wrap for me to try and uh, figure out the the winners in some of these games. So like you mentioned, we had one cover and one not cover, but I lost on both of them. I went 0-2 last week, uh, starting with the Green Bay Packers. Look, I mean, Aaron Rodgers looked about as dejected as I did after that game because I'm just so tired of uh, watching these great Packers teams play in the regular season season get to the NFC championship game and this and then just look like a completely different team it was just the same story over and over I should have seen that one coming but unfortunately I was riding the Packers minus three and a half Tom Brady did his Tom Brady things and they cover and win the game do the Buccaneers so I wasn't even close on that one and then the game in Kansas City was I guess a little bit better I felt somewhat uh, confident throughout the later parts of that game that there was a cover still in play but all in all Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid just take care of business like they're known to do lately and Josh Allen who was having a great season he's going to end up on the short list of MVP candidates uh, couldn't get it done even though they were getting three points and we kind of talked about it last week where the spreads were around kickoff when it's three points three and a half you're really really uh, you don't have a lot of margin for error for these types of games you have to be uh, winning by a touchdown um, if you're a, a team that's the underdog or if you're the Uh, favored team, you can always freak out with a backdoor cover winning by one or two points. So it's really, you know, a tough act to follow uh, after going, you know, 0-4 or 1-3 the week prior uh, to come back in in the championship round going 0-2. There's only one game left on the board. That's another reason why I don't love uh, betting on the playoffs is because the games shrink every week that goes on. So you get less chances to dig yourself out of the hole. So I am certainly in the hole. I am not going to have a winning record in the playoffs or on the total season as a whole. Uh, but life goes on. You know, you keep looking for winners. The good news is we're going to talk about this later. We're going to have about every single second of the Super Bowl that's coming up to bet on with prop bets and a whole bunch of nonsense. So there's opportunities to make money. We're just going to have to be that much smarter uh, to get out of the hole that I've dug myself in. Well, it's a tough time of year sometimes, John, with this playoffs. I, I totally get it. Regular season also. NFL football is really tough to bet on. There's no doubt about it. You can do all the analysis work you want, but it, it takes a little bit of luck, too. You watching some of these games, especially that Packers game 
uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which I'll get into in just a second. As far as my record last week, Jason Gotch going one and one with the picks. I did hit both overs, but I did only hit with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the spread, picking a side. And I did mention... You might want to take a look at the Buccaneers on the money line and also the reverse line last week was Tampa Bay minus three and a half at play. It paid, I think, uh, plus 240 on the comeback. So if you bet 100, you would bet it win an additional 240. And all that would have hit because the Buccaneers did live up to the expectation that I thought they would at least play that game close. Not only did they do that, they ended up winning 31-26 in Green Bay. So one with the Buccaneers, not so much with the Buffalo Bills. It was an interesting start for Buffalo up 9-0 after the muff punt. But when you watch that game, and if you watched it wire-to-wire like I did, even though Buffalo was up early, you didn't get the feeling that Kansas City was by any stretch of the imagination out of that game. You never feel that way with the Chiefs, I think, ever since last year's playoff debacle by the Texans at Arrowhead Stadium when I think the Texans led 24-0 in the second quarter, and they ended up trailing that game at the half. Everybody knows how good Patrick Mahomes is. The only question for the Chiefs uh, this past week was, would Mahomes be able to stay healthy throughout that whole game? He was in the concussion protocol throughout the week. Good news for Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. He was healthy. Uh, They won that game 38-24, so I missed with picking the Bills plus the three in that contest. So one and one last week for me, Jason Gotch, here on State Lines. For the playoffs, though, eight and four against the spread, so we'll take it. Two out of three winners uh, we're picking in the playoffs. So a good postseason, hoping to wrap it up in a couple weeks uh, with the Super Bowl winner and also uh, with some good work on the prop bets as well that we'll be getting into. Uh, but I, I do got to mention this here, John. Look, I, I don't know how you felt about it, but this is why it's gambling. This is why you can do all the work you want with the analysis side of things. And, and you get Matt LaFleur. And I've heard a few people say, well, it wasn't the worst decision of all time. Well, Maybe it wasn't the worst decision of all time, but it was pretty darn bad. I mean, you've got Aaron Rodgers in your own stadium, a little over two minutes left to go in the regulation time in the fourth quarter of that game. You're trailing Tampa 31-23 at home. You got fourth down, and I believe they were on about the eight-yard line, fourth and goal at about the eight. And Matt LaFleur runs Mason Crosby out there to kick a short field goal. I I don't get it. I didn't get it when I saw it. I still don't get it. I know why Matt LaFleur said he did it. I understood what he was doing. I, I just don't know how when you process that in your head, you think it's a better idea instead of going for it with Aaron Rodgers, who's going to be the MVP of the league. We'll talk about that coming up. But you've got Aaron Rodgers, one play from the eight yard line in your own stadium to try and get the touchdown. Then I understand he's got to get the two point conversion. But that being the play versus kicking a field goal, stopping Tom Brady, got three timeouts in the two-minute warning, and thanks to the Tampa Bay return man who decided to go down right before the two-minute warning and give the Packers a free timeout. But you got at least three timeouts in that situation. You get the field goal, then you got to get the ball back from Tom Brady when realistically one first down ends the game, and then you got to go back down the field and try and score. I didn't get it. I don't understand it. At some point, you've got to put faith and one of the top players of all time in the NFL, rather than a Packers defense that was really leaky at times this season. Obviously, it didn't work out for Matt LaFleur and company. And looking back on it, even if it would have worked out for the Packers, in my opinion, that was still the wrong call. I don't understand it. And unfortunately for Green Bay fans, I think they'll be second-guessing that decision for a long, long time, especially considering the Packers have had such bad luck in the last decade in NFC Championship games. 
Yeah, I think we're going through this a little bit later than we did in baseball, where there's this uh, overwhelming wave of analytics and insights that come with these big decisions. You know, when do I pull my starting pitcher? When do I bring in somebody from the bullpen? When do you kick a field goal? When do you go for two? When do you try an onside kick? These probability equations are infecting sports. And I do mean that in kind of a negative way, because it really takes away from what you're seeing on the field. I'm sure Matt LaFleur has some sort of equation chart you know when you see the coaches with those laminated sheets of paper with different colors and lines and bold words on them I'm pretty sure that what they're looking at there are situations and you know somewhere somehow in their backroom calculations uh, that if, if you're down this amount of points and you're at this goal position your goal to go position late into a game the odds may favor you kicking a field goal there and although exactly what you said is correct Jason you have the MVP of the league likely MVP of the league on the field. He's known for making big plays. You got Devontae Adams, who is one of the best red zone receivers in the NFL right now and of recent memory. Everything would would scream that you just roll the dice and go for it. But I'm sure he was, you know, told by a, a coaching staff member or by his own uh, research and preparation that there was some sort of payoff for him there. I, I would just have to believe that that was the case. We've kind of moved on from these gut check decisions. Most people have, I should say. I think you think of last week with uh, Andy Reid uh, throwing the ball on fourth and short to ice the game against the Browns. Uh, that was kind of a, a, a gut check moment, right? I'm sure that the odds did not tell him to throw the ball, but he went against it and it worked out. So sometimes uh, you're, you're damned if you do or damned if you don't, or sometimes you, you end up uh, in these situations where you have to go with what's on your sheet or because it's defensible and it's not necessarily uh, the popular call. The fans certainly don't like it, but at the end of the day, I think this is all just kind of coming down to what we saw happen in baseball. And uh, I, I remember as recently as this past World Series, uh, there was a lot of talk about when we were pulling uh, starting pitchers or when did we start pulling starting pitchers after four or five innings. Uh, but it's because the data and the stats and the probability. And, and I have to believe that that's what Matt LaFleur was looking at. The post game uh, from both LaFleur and Rogers seemed to be pretty ambiguous as to you know, who made that decision or what was behind that decision. But I have to believe that somewhere, somehow in this whole mess of uh, the NFL uh, decision-making process, uh, LaFleur felt pretty confident about that. Maybe he thought he was going to get the ball back or what. But overall, I think it's going to be a blemish on his career, which up until this point had looked pretty darn good. Yeah, John, you know what? I'm going to go a step further. I agree with you, and I'll say this. In many ways, these analytic nerds are ruining sports. There, there's no doubt about it because on that little chart, which you're probably right that he looked at, what wasn't on that equation was you have a Hall of Fame quarterback in his own stadium one play to score that touchdown. And also on the other side, when you kick the ball back, you're not kicking it back to Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, you're not kicking it back to Jared Goff. You're kicking it back to the greatest quarterback, arguably, who's ever played in the NFL and giving him the opportunity to get one first down to win the game. Whether it worked out or not, put faith in your Hall of Famer and don't give the ball back to another Hall of Famer. That chart does not tell you the exact personnel the other team is running out on the field that particular week. This is State Lines. I'm Jason Gotchis, John Spataro. We come back. Deshaun Watson wants out of the Houston Texans. We'll talk about that, among other things. Plus, we'll get to the Super Bowl props. We'll talk about Brady and Belichick, clearly who won that battle. Talk about the game. Lots more to do. So little time to do it. Back after this.
Welcome back to State Lines, where you get the best pro football gambling information in the state of Illinois. He's John Spataro. I'm Jason Gotch. We roll along on our Super Bowl week off program for the NFL, but we do not take a week off. Of course, the Super Bowl will be played next Sunday in early February, Super Bowl 55 down in Tampa. The Buccaneers are the home team in that game. Technically, it's not necessarily that way on the scoreboard, though I think it's going to be actually listed that way. But the Buccaneers are playing in their own stadium. First ever team in 55 Super Bowls to do that. And if you're wondering on an early line in that game, the Chiefs are a three-and-a-half point favorite. Uh, the the over-under is 56-and-a-half. And the Chiefs on the money line, minus 165. The Buccaneers come back plus 145. We'll talk about that game in depth and some props coming up in a little bit later on. But, John, a story breaking as we're taping the show during the week here. Uh, Deshaun Watson has officially requested a trade from the Houston Texans. So we discussed this on a previous show that Watson, there were a lot of rumors that he wanted out. The Texans uh, just earlier this week hired David Culley as their new head coach. Now, this was one of the more interesting hires you're ever going to hear in the NFL. Now, unless you're a diehard NFL fan, you probably have no idea who David Culley is. David Culley is in his mid-60s. He was the passing game coordinator and wide receivers coach for the Baltimore Ravens. And what's so ironic about that, him being the passing game coordinator, is that the Ravens this past season had the worst passing offense in the NFL. So you hired a guy in his mid-60s. Nothing against that normally, but when you're hiring a guy for his first head coaching job in his mid-60s, and he comes from a team that had the worst passing offense in the NFL this past season. He was the passing game coordinator. I don't exactly know what the Texans were trying to prove to Deshaun Watson here that, oh, hey, we're really committed to you in the passing game. Well, we're going to hire a guy who had the worst passing game offense in the NFL this year as the, the wide receivers coach and the coordinator, passing game coordinator of that unit. So Watson wants out. Obviously, hiring David Culley did not do what the Texans, I think, wanted. I, I think they want to keep Watson around. Uh, so give me your thoughts on this updated situation. And obviously, uh, the, the Bears in the equation here, too. Odds makers believe it's a long shot that the Bears would get Deshaun Watson. In fact, as I look here, the Bears are uh, plus 1,200. So if you bet 100, you get 1,200 back if the Bears actually do get Deshaun Watson for next season. But uh, your thoughts here on Watson? Will he stay with the Texans? Can they iron this thing out? And also... Uh, would you want Deshaun Watson? I think that's an interesting question, too, because it would it would take a lot to get him away from Houston. Yeah, I, I talked about it last week that I thought that, you know, he's going to be on the move no matter hey, what. I, I'm not hearing you. Hello? You got me? Can you hear me? I'm not hearing you there, John, if you're talking. Yeah, Hello? John, I, John, I can hear you just fine. Wait. Kevin can hear me. Jason can't hear me. Can Wait, you? I think it was, that was mine. That was bad. That was my cord again. Sorry. That was All my right. head. So just pick up, start where, where I left off. Sorry about cool. that. Thank you. Uh, three, two, one. Yeah, I talked about this last week, and I was pretty confident then that Deshaun Watson had played his last snap with the Houston Texans. That just seemed to be the talk of the league. And then he finally comes around this week and uh, actually formally requests a trade. So I'm going to guess that this is going to get done. I, I, I usually like to not read into these uh, drama storylines that much in the NFL and professional sports in general. But come on, just like you described, Jason, if you're not trying to offend 
Deshaun Watson, a guy that has already said that he didn't feel a part of the coaching search enough, and that's why he wanted to leave. And then you hire this guy that no one's ever heard of and who has a terrible track record uh, in his most recent job as a passing game savant. Uh, I, I'm just, I, I don't know what I would think of that if, if I was a Texans fan or specifically if I was Deshaun Watson. So the only interesting thing I think has, that has changed in the last week, and again, it's all rumors and speculation, this time of year, it, it's kind of like a condensed hot stove season for the NFL because you're looking for headlines in between the last uh, game of the playoffs and the Super Bowl. You're trying to drum up some interest in the NFL as a whole for next season, and you start hearing things. And one thing I heard last week, I think it was Jay Glazer, who, you know, for all of his uh, uh, antics on uh, on the NFL Super Show on uh, Sundays on Fox, um, he's uh, somewhat of a reputable uh, NFL insider, and he claims that the Bears are going to be all in on a quarterback search uh, this season. I don't know if I believe that fully. Uh, I, I really don't, you know, can't think any different after I listened to that postseason press conference uh, from the powers that be at Hellas Hall. But if that's the case, uh, the Bears might want to make good on their draft uh, day struggles, uh, get Deshaun Watson in the mix. You asked, would I want him? I don't know if that makes me super excited as a Bears fan. I don't know if we're Super Bowl bound next year because – like I said last week, look at the four teams that were in the conference championship games. They all have great, not just good, great quarterbacks at varying points in their career. And is Deshaun Watson a great quarterback? He might be, but so far, I don't think that that we've seen him uh, elevate to the level of a uh, Josh Allen like he did this year, or certainly not a Patrick Mahomes, and definitely not a Tom Brady. So if you're going to try to compete with them, Aaron Rodgers as well in that mix, if you're going to try and compete with those types of teams, I think you need to be a, a, a bigger player uh, for maybe a guy in the draft, a Trevor Lawrence. You know, he's got the pedigree to be the next guy like that. But I, I, Watson's been in the league a couple years. Sure, he's got a couple playoff appearances, but he's also got some off-the-field issues. You just can't ignore the fact that he's uh, trying to get his way, have his cake and eat it too in Houston. So there's a lot at play here, and certainly this is what the NFL wants. Like I said, it's headline season. Everyone just wants to keep the league top of mind while there's not a game played this coming Sunday. So I, I'm, I'm trying to take all the rumors with a grain of salt. As far as the betting perspective goes, I'm going to stick with my wild favorite favorite of the Washington football team or whatever they're going to be called next year uh, as a team that might pick up Watson. I just think he'd be a pretty good fit in that offense. And they were a playoff team. So, you know, Ron Rivera needs a quarterback. He dealt with the ego that was Cam Newton, a somewhat of a similar play style too, uh, to Deshaun Watson with the, the dual threat. So uh, give me the, the Redskins or the uh, football team or the pilots, whatever they're thinking uh, that they're going to be called next year, whatever it comes out to be, I think that they're, they were 2,000 or 3,000 to one uh, last time we checked. So they're, they're going to remain my pick uh, as a long shot to land Watson next year. Well, John, the football team, as we continue here on State Lines, where you get the best pro football gambling information in the state of Illinois, he's John Spataro. I'm Jason Gotch. The Washington football team now, plus 1,500. So you lay down 100, you get 1,500 back to get Deshaun Watson to start the 2021 season. And that's not a bad – that wouldn't be a bad play. I, I could actually see that happening. And – you look at some of these odds right here. Texans plus 225 to stick in Houston to start there next year for week one of the regular season. The Jets are plus 225 tied with the Texans in the lead for Deshaun Watson next year, according to the odds makers. Dolphins plus 350. Panthers plus 600. 49ers plus 800. Uh, Bears plus 1200. And then the list goes on and on. And you get the Washington football team at plus 1500. Few thoughts here. Number one, if I'm the Bears, I want no part of Deshaun Watson for this reason. Not that he's not a good player. I don't want to give up the capital that it's going to take to get him. The Bears aren't good 
enough to trade their entire draft or a bunch of picks the next few years that they're going to need. They need a ton of help on the offensive line. Who knows what the future holds for Allen Robinson at wide receiver. Uh, David Montgomery was good, not great last year. I'm still not 100% sold on him. Uh, the defense, there's still needs on that side of the ball, even though it's a very good unit. But the Bears have done this before. They, they traded a ton for Jay Cutler. That didn't work out. He never got him to a Super Bowl. Uh, they traded a ton for Khalil Mack. He's a very good player, but they have not gotten a playoff win with Khalil Mack on the roster. I want to keep the picks and let the Texans keep Deshaun Watson. Now, as far as the other teams around the league, I chuckled. I saw some stories uh, doing some show prep here where maybe teams like the Cardinals or the Ravens or even the Bills would entertain trading for Deshaun Watson and giving up guys like Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Allen. First off, let's throw two teams out right now. The Bills and the Cardinals. Why would the Cardinals or the Bills trade for Deshaun Watson? Uh, Josh Allen's one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. And, and if you don't believe me, ask Stephon Diggs, who raves about Josh Allen in his first year in Buffalo after having to play with Kirk Cousins the last few years. So there's no reason the Bills, a team on the rise that made it to the AFC Championship game, are trading Josh Allen at this point. And, and as far as Kyler Murray goes, he had a really good second season for a Cardinals team that took a few steps forward from his rookie year in the NFL. I don't see any reason they would trade Kyler Murray for Deshaun Watson and a couple things about Kyler Murray and also Josh Allen I don't hear them constantly complaining about the situation they are in what's to say that when Deshaun Watson gets to Arizona or to Buffalo if they were to make those deals that he wouldn't be unhappy in those spots too uh, Deshaun Watson's a, a very good player I would not say he's a great player but as John alluded to for me it seems like He's a little more full of himself than he needs to be for a guy who's never went deep into the playoffs and also a young player in the NFL on a big contract. When you think about guys like Tom Brady aren't dictating who the head coach is going to be. He didn't dictate that Bruce Arians would be his head coach in Tampa. Aaron Rodgers didn't dictate Matt LaFleur was the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. I mean, heck, he couldn't even get a Matt LaFleur to go for it on fourth down and goal from the eight-yard line in one of the biggest games in Packers history. So I don't like the idea of a young quarterback dictating, well, I got to have say in who the head coach is. I got to have say in the organization. And that would scare me off if I was an organization. Not that Watson's not a talented guy. I think he's a smart guy. But again, sometimes you don't want to have to deal with somebody who can be a malcontent. So if I'm one of these teams, I would tread, I would tread lightly on Deshaun Watson. Not saying I wouldn't get him. Look. If he goes to the Jets, how is that any better situation for Deshaun Watson? I mean, the Jets are one of the worst franchises in sports. So if you're talking about leaving the Texans for the Jets, I don't think that's an upgrade for Deshaun Watson. I'd rather stay with the Texans. At least they've made the playoffs a few times in recent years. Same thing with some of these other franchises on the list. So not that Watson's not a great player. And look, I would explore him if I were the Jets, if I were the Dolphins or Panthers or Washington football team. Certainly, I would take a chance on him. But it would take what it would come back to me that I would have to give up to get him. And if you've got to give up a ton, you got to think about how many times in the NFL has that actually worked, where you trade a ton of guys or a ton of draft picks and bring in a superstar. This isn't Major League Baseball. It's a different game. So again, Deshaun Watson's a talent, but I, I don't know if I'd necessarily uh, take a flyer on trading for him at this point. Plus, he's got a, a long-term deal with the Texans. So the Texans are actually, I didn't even mention this, the Texans are in the driver's seat here. He, he signed with them for a, a, a few more years on a big deal. They don't have to trade him. Look, you, you could say if you're Houston, hey, you know, we, we got a new coach in here. You got two choices, Deshaun. You can either play or you can sit out. One of the two. You got to pick one of the two. You want to sit out, you're not going to get the money. And I have a feeling Watson would not sit out at that point. 
This is State Lines. We get the best pro football gambling information in the state of Illinois. He's John Spataro. I'm Jason Gotch. We'll have more on the Super Bowl coming up between the Buccaneers and the Chiefs. Some prop bets, too. But when we come back, NFL MVP Talk Plus. Some coaching changes around the league that are not David Culley with the Houston Texans. We'll talk about that right after. Great to have you aboard on State Lines as we roll along with our pre-Super Bowl, pre-pre-Super Bowl show, I guess is the best way to put it. We'll have a Super Bowl preview show next week. This is the week off for the NFL before Super Bowl week starts next week. So we're talking Super Bowl, some props, and some other fun stuff mixed in. And John, I think we need to take a victory lap here, okay? Because the NFL MVP award will be delivered with the other awards the night before the Super Bowl. And looking at it right now, objectively, I mentioned this this in our, our season preview show. I said, take a look at Aaron Rodgers. I think he was 35-1 to 1 at the time. I said, look, this is a guy who's more motivated than ever. Uh, they've drafted Jordan Love at quarterback. And if you're Aaron Rodgers and that doesn't fire you up, I don't know what does. If you're looking for a long shot for the MVP award, I'd take a flyer on Aaron Rodgers. I know you agreed with me on that. We also... I mentioned some other candidates too, but I think we need to take a victory lap because looking at this season, I, for me, I don't see another MVP candidate on the level Aaron Rodgers is right now. I, th- I think he wins that award. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be the NFL MVP for the 2020 season. Yeah, I think you're right. And that's actually a great point because uh, about Rodgers and specifically Jordan Love, because I think I mentioned this last week as well. If you go back to the offseason that we just had coming into this NFL season. Obviously, COVID was going on and, you know, the season was in jeopardy. But I would say the two biggest storylines heading into the year were what team was Tom Brady going to play for? And are the Packers getting ready to move on from Aaron Rodgers by drafting Jordan Love as high as they did? And lo and behold, both of those storylines culminate in Brady going back to the Super Bowl and beating Rodgers to do it. Now, that being said, you're right on, Jason. We, we I think, called it perfectly. And I do think that Aaron Rodgers is going to win the MVP. There are some feel-good stories, if you will, or some guys that I think I just I wish would win in lieu of Rodgers. I think Josh Allen deserves so much credit for the year that he had. I really think that that's a great football team, just not the greatest in their in their conference. That belongs to the Kansas City Chiefs. But put Josh Allen up about against just about anybody these days. And I think he's going to put on a great performance and possibly win his team the game. Uh, Mahomes is kind of getting some fatigue. He didn't really have the best statistical year of his career this year. Uh, he, you know, obviously got hurt in the playoffs. And, you know, we're just kind of stop and start with him sometimes. But uh, he's probably going to be the, the third highest finisher for this race. And then you got guys like, uh, you know, Devontae Adams, who also, you know, belongs on the list because he was catching all those balls from Aaron Rodgers all year long. And then the uh, the tandem in Tennessee, Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill, are also hanging out on the fringes of this list as well, who had a good year in their own right, but not necessarily in the level of the other people on this list. So, yes, I will take the victory lap. I think Rodgers, uh, you know, is a very misunderstood, uh, motivated person. I-, I think that people read into almost everything he does, from who he's dating to what he says to what he wears. He gets so much attention for Green Bay being a, a pretty notoriously uh, insulated environment, meaning, you know, they take care of their own and uh, they don't let too much distract them from the goal of, of winning a lot of football games. Uh, but for this year, for him to come back, 
uh, ultimately losing the NFC championships game again, kind of just puts a stain on, on what was a, a really great season. I mean, I go back to some of the games uh, specifically that he played against the bears this year, but others uh, in this season, he looked like he was, uh, you know, a, a fifth year quarterback and certainly not a 15th or whatever season he is in now. So uh, yeah, it, it's great to, to find a diamond in the rough like that, if you will, early on in the year. Uh, and we all just kind of go back to the narratives. What, what is the, the season going to be, uh, you know, when you're looking at the, the board in the beginning of the year, what's the end of the season storyline going to be? And, and it's funny that it circles back to, like I said, the two top stories, who was Brady going to play for and if he still got it, and what was Aaron Rodgers' future going to look like because they drafted a quarterback uh, so high. And I don't think we saw Jordan Love at all this year. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. But I, I don't think he played more than maybe a handful of snaps in some uh, injury or blowout circumstances. I, I don't think he was a factor at all this year. So maybe they're going to do the same thing they did with Rodgers. You know, the transition from Rodgers to Favre was a famous one with uh, Rodgers waiting in the wing for a couple years and then coming in, uh, in, in you know, after a, a few seasons of learning and observing. So maybe we'll see that uh, once again. That would sure be painful for Bears fans because like you mentioned last week, Jason, I think the, the Packers have had two quarterbacks in the same time that the Bears have had, oh, I don't know, close to 40 at this point so misery continues here in Chicago but as far as the pack go it was a great year for their quarterback and their team too uh, it's just a shame that they got bested by Tom Brady uh, yet again to get to the Super Bowl this is State Lines he's John Spataro I'm Jason Gotcher you get the best pro football gambling information in the state of Illinois you're right John Jordan Love did not throw a pass this season for the Packers in fact Tim Boyle saw limited action as the backup quarterback for Green Bay but just to show you how overwhelming of a favorite Aaron Rodgers is to win this MVP award. Last check. It's off the board now, but a couple of weeks ago, Aaron Rodgers was minus 2,000 to win the NFL MVP. So you had to lay 2,000 bucks to win an additional 100. Patrick Mahomes uh, was the second choice. And look, Mahomes is great. He was plus 900, the second best odds to win the MVP. And Mahomes is going to win multiple MVPs in his career. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I mean, he threw for almost 4,800 yards this year, 66% completion percentage, 38 touchdown passes, six interceptions. His rating was 108. But that's how good Aaron Rodgers was. Aaron Rodgers was even better than that this year. Completed 71% of his passes. Also, his touchdown to interception ratio was 9.6 to 1. Uh, second best of his career in that area. Quarterback rating this year was 121.5, 48 touchdown passes for Aaron Rodgers. And you look at the season that he had. I know he said that Jordan Love wasn't the motivating factor, but I'm not buying that for one bit. I mean, John, you hit it on the head there, where Aaron Rodgers is, is an interesting guy. We don't really know what motivates him, but come on. The Green Bay Packers, with a Hall of Fame quarterback back in uh, late April, early May, and Jordan uh, Love gets drafted by them, and Aaron Rodgers hears that name called. No defense to help out Aaron Rodgers. No weapons on the offensive side of the ball. The Packers pick a quarterback. You're telling me that doesn't motivate him when he's in his mid-30s? That people might not think, and he might not think the organization is doing to him what they did to Brett Favre over a decade ago when they drafted him as the heir apparent to Brett Favre and then forced Favre out the door. So Rodgers absolutely had a great year, worthy of the MVP award, uh, no doubt about that. When he wins it, it'll be, it'll be his third MVP award of his career. Um, Peyton Manning's got five, Tom Brady, Favre, Johnny Unitas, and Jim Brown all won three, and Rodgers will have won three as well. So that's elite company. He'll be only the uh, sixth player in NFL history to win at least three MVP award. So I think it's pretty much uh, us. Yeah, pat, us, our, pat ourselves on the back, John, because we got that one right when it's announced a little over a week from now. Now, before we get to the game and also the proposition bets for Super Bowl 55 between 
the Packers, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I do want to touch a little bit on the coaching changes and some coaching news locally uh, here in the state of Illinois. First off, we didn't talk about Irvin Meyer going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I thought that was a very interesting hire by the Jaguars. I actually think it was a good one. Look, you're Jacksonville. You got tarps covering up half your stadium most seasons. Uh, bring in a guy who coached Florida to a, a national championship, a guy who's won anywhere, everywhere he's been. Uh, I, I think, hey, even if it doesn't work, that's better than bringing another retread like Doug Marone or whoever they do hire in Jack or, or an up and comer, suppose like Gus Bradley that didn't work out there. And plus, you, you pair Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence is going to be the number one overall pick in the draft by the Jaguars, almost certainly. Uh, that'll be an interesting team. Rather than thinking about the Jaguars as the team with tarps on, on their stadium seats and also the team that plays in London in a normal year, non-pandemic year, a few times a season, the Jaguars will actually be an interesting story. But also, a closer to home, Pat Fitzgerald with Northwestern uh, this week agreed to a 10-year contract with the school that runs through the 2030 season. So there's been a lot of rumors about Pat Fitzgerald possibly making the jump to the NFL. He's a guy in his mid-40s. He's a Northwestern graduate, led them to the Rose Bowl in the mid-1990s. But he's done such a good job with Northwestern. They're a perennial winner, perennial bowl game participant. Even when they don't win the bowl games, uh, they're a fun team to watch throughout the season. And this, you would think, might take Fitzgerald off the table for NFL head coaching jobs. But I'm not so sure about that because most of these contracts have an out for certain jobs or there's a way for the NFL to buy out these contracts. So I think Fitzgerald's staying in Evanston unless he's got the perfect opportunity. But one job I still think he might kick the tires on if it ever became available, and it really should be right now with Matt Nagy, who's one of the worst out there, is the Bears job. Now, I don't know if Fitzgerald would take it, but a new challenge in life, stay in the same town that you're in. You're set for life with your Northwestern money already. So break this down for us, John. Urban Meyer and also uh, Pat Fitzgerald, do you think Fitz is really there the next 10 years if the Bears would want him? And also, what do you think about the Urban Meyer fit with the Jaguars? Well, I like the Urban Meyer hire just because I, I think that that's what the Jaguars would need to do to get back to relevancy if they were ever relevant to begin with. They're just kind of a floater franchise, like you said, Jason, playing some games in London and, you know, kind of just being a forgotten expansion team of the 1990s. They've done some nice things lately. They got to an AFC championship game with Blake Bortles and a pretty good defense. But besides that, since I've been alive, since I've been watching football, the Jaguars have been a pretty forgettable team. So I'm excited to have some reason, uh, if only out of just curiosity, to see uh, what Urban Meyer does down there. He obviously has a lot of uh, coaching talent and certainly recruiting personality and uh, you know communication skills that I think will, will help him down there as well. As far as Pat Fitzgerald goes, I think that that's a big question for, Pitts, for uh, Coach Fitz to have to ask himself if he would like to give up what he has in Evanston, which is apparently carte blanche. I mean, he really has complete control of that program. He brings in who he wants uh, from a personnel side. Uh, you know, he obviously still has to go out and recruit, but he's just got his pitch. And I think the culture that he wants there so ironed down that it's going to be hard for me to see him wanting to leave that unless, like you said, maybe the Bears approach him with a perfect situation. But for that situation to be perfect, I think he would have to have complete control of the personnel department, don't you think? Wouldn't, wouldn't you think he would have to be a, a GM, head coach, head of football ops type situation to feel like he was in the same spot as he was in Evanston so he could bring in his guys, he could build the culture and not you know, manufacture this idea that the Bears are a winning culture like George Hellas wants you to believe. I think he would want to be hands-on in every uh, part of the operation. And for that to happen, man, I, I, I think that there would have to be a serious change of, of, of the guard 
in Hallis Hall for me to believe that uh, Ted Phillips is going anywhere anytime soon and George McCaskey and the, and the McCaskey family is just going to start letting people come in and take control, uh, full control of their team. So as, as much as I think that that's a fun scenario, and I would probably be pretty energized by that as a Bears fan, seeing Coach Fitz come in, you'd probably get some hard-nosed defense again you know, and some uh, a return to form, if you will, for the Bears and the Monsters of the Midway. I just think that for Fitzgerald to be convinced to leave to go to any NFL team, he would have to try and duplicate the overall universal control that he currently has in Evanston on the NFL level. I don't even know. That might not even be possible, even if somebody wanted to give it to him. And I think that would be the last remaining barrier for him to try to make the jump to the NFL. Yeah, I think that's going to be tough because he is not a proven commodity in the NFL coaching, let alone picking players. So I don't know if that would happen. I have a hard time seeing him getting total control anywhere. Plus, it's so tough to do in the NFL now. I mean, it's hard to be just a coach, let alone be the coach and the GM, even Bill Belichick, although he acts as the de facto GM. He, he still has a person in there to help him with that situation. So it'll be interesting. And, and if, if Fitz really wants that, the, the best place probably to stay is Evanston because he does have total control at Northwestern. And it, it'd be really hard to see him get fired from that job for really any reason at this point. Even if the Cats have a few down seasons, are you really going to do better than Pat Fitzgerald based on his track record? I don't think so. It is State Lines. He's John Spataro. I'm Jason Gotcha. We come back. Super Bowl 55 talk plus some prop bets too. All that right after this. This show is for entertainment purposes only. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 